You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On this week's episode, we'll discuss the 49ers winning an ugly game at home, 22-16, over the Los Angeles Chargers. A win that puts them just half a game out of first place in the NFC West. And uh, this wasn't the only exciting comeback win on the slate for the NFL this Sunday. It was a great week for comeback victories. The Vikings over Buffalo with a great catch from Justin Jefferson. Uh, The Lions clawed their way back, (laughs) biting off kneecaps to beat the Bears. And then Indy picks up a win over the Raiders. Beating the Raiders isn't impressive right now in general, but it is when you have someone who's never coached before at the NFL or even college level taking the reins good for Jeff Saturday I guess yeah yeah and Derek Carr was pretty emotional after that game I I think I might want to cry too <laughs> so uh, I I would say so do Raiders fans but I, I work with one and and he's past tears at this point uh, he's he's pretty jaded so uh, let's get right into some of the storylines for this 49ers Chargers matchup obviously for the Niners it was a big game for them coming off of a bye week with so many reinforcements you know uh, especially it's hard that Verrett went down you know, you've all heard it by now, but Jason Verrett with a terrible Achilles injury. But I don't think that the 49ers fans were really putting too much stock in him returning at all. But still awful that he went down a couple days before the game and it was definitely on the team's mind. But coming back were Debo and Juwan Jennings, uh, Willis, Elijah Mitchell, which is a big one, and Al Shire. So you did have some momentum of finally feeling like you're getting healthy on the other end the Chargers they're (laughs) almost as snake bitten as we are this was supposed to be the Bosa brothers game and instead no Joey Bosa for them but also no Keenan Allen or Mike Williams so questions about how would they fare trotting out a receiving core with less than 100 career NFL receptions also questions about their ability to stop the run coming in they had the worst run defense I think everybody knew that the 49ers coming out of a bye especially with more time for Christian McCaffrey in the playbook would want to exploit that and and we'll get into uh, the drive by drive like we usually do but I don't think we can wait that long to talk about (laughs) the sequence that really um, almost defined this game uh, which happened very late in the fourth quarter where the 49ers almost almost really blew this and I know you were pretty pretty hot about the whole thing let's get into it. It's really hard to know what this 49ers team is going to do. It's basically been a tale of two teams. They have looked really impressive, ultra-efficient in some games, and then the games they've lost, with the exception of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes playing his butt off in that game, they have lost a bunch of games they had no business losing. They've looked stale. They've had trouble scoring points. So it's really hard to know what this team is going to do week in and week out. I think we're all still trying to figure out how good is this team. And it's it's difficult to say week to week. So in this game, the 49ers are up 19 to 16 with two minutes left and they punt the ball to the one yard line. An absolutely fantastic punt from Mitch Wisnowski, and once again, it's Sam Womack downing it on the one. So that's good news just in itself, but so strange, the broadcast, they were losing their minds talking about how that was a touchback, and it should have been a touchback, and I just don't even know what to say. If that is truly the rule, then the rule needs to change. Why would you have a rule that just completely flies in the face of common sense. 
He's standing there. The ball goes directly into his arms. His feet are planted. Heels on the ground. Yeah, heels on the ground. On top of that, both referees are running in from the sides, waving their heads over or waving their hands over their head. They're whistling the play dead before he even gets close to the goal line. So for anybody saying it is a touchback, uh, when the whistle blows, the play's over, guys. Uh, But even if they hadn't whistled it dead, in what kind of universe is that a touchback? Yeah, it was strange. It almost reminded me of the first game of the season against the Bears where they couldn't understand why Kyle Shanahan was challenging the, the catch from that Bears tight end. And it's like, well because he bobbled it and it was so obvious to us, but it was just strange that they even called in a rules expert yeah. <laughs> to, to discuss whether it should have been a touchback. It's like, well, his heels are on the ground. He's got the ball in his hands. He's not bobbling it. And they're waving their arms and blowing the whistles. The, pl- the play is over. Why, why are we even talking about this? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Strange. They just harped on that so heavily and the chargers didn't challenge it. Of course. I don't know if that's a challengeable play, but you know, even if it's not, if you have any doubts about it, you throw the flag. And then the, the refs can come and tell you, hey, you can't challenge that. But the reason, of course, they didn't challenge that is because they have eyeballs sure. and very clearly just not a touchback. So anyway, that was just a, a very strange sequence. But when you're up three, there's two minutes to go and you have to punt the ball. You can't do much better than pinning them on the one yard line. No, and it's what happened next that sort of leads to a lot of debate in the 49ers world. But the Chargers from there go incompletion short left, incompletion short right, seven-yard catch, and then on fourth down, an interesting decision from Staley from his own eight-yard line. Rather than punt, they decided to go for it, and an incompletion turnover on downs. 49ers now have a three-point lead and the ball at the eight-yard line. This really should have been the moment that the game was put away, especially when you consider that Elijah Mitchell on the first play of the 49ers drive gets a run down to the two yard line. So you've got second and goal from the two and a touchdown. I mean, if you go up 10 with, with just barely over a minute, you know, the the game is completely over, but the 49ers go super conservative there. Um, And it was just, it was very strange. It was very strange. Just three runs right up the gut and not even with McCaffrey or not even with Juice, like just three runs right up the gut. So strange, such a, a lack of aggressiveness and killer instinct. Uh, you could say it's trust in the defense, but a lot of consternation in 49ers world that that we did not make an effort to put the game away, knowing that a field goal there still only gets you up six and you still have to punt it back to Herbert, who had already made a couple phenomenal throws in this game. Yeah, and if you're a Chargers fan or basically just a, a fan of the home team, whoever that might be, you always want to see your team go for it on fourth down when it's late in the game. When you're under two minutes, you never want to punt it away. But the Chargers did have all three timeouts. Uh, and again, the only consideration there is that you're on the eight-yard line. So if you don't convert that fourth down, you are giving the ball to the other team on the eight-yard line. So that's game over, right? Well, not really. The 49ers didn't close this out. They could have. They should have. And like you said... They come out with just a bunch of conservative runs and they have to kick a field goal again. I thought my head was going to explode. Kyle Shanahan is so conservative at the goal line. It drives me nuts. It seems like he never goes for it on fourth down with only two yards to go. And maybe the most frustrating thing about that is you have Debo Samuel, you have Kittle, you have McCaffrey, you have Ayuk. Did any of them touch the ball in that sequence? And yeah, and you've got use check, right? You've got a QB who is elite when it comes to quarterback sneaks. I know uh, elite is not a word that a lot of people like to use when describing Jimmy Garoppolo, 
but he is an elite QB sneaker. Well, He's think, very, very good. I think Bills and Vikings fans uh, earlier in the day would have would have loved to have had an elite QB sneaker <laughs> yeah. since, since that ended up deciding that game. But yeah, just a, a strange sequence overall and super fortunate that it didn't determine the outcome of the game. I remember telling you that it felt like a playoff game to me. Usually that means, you know, when someone says, oh, it was like a playoff game, they're talking about the intensity of it. For me, it felt like a playoff game in that it was one that the 49ers defense played really well overall. And then it was like the offense, they just made it their goal to not lose the game. You know, any any game for me where the defense plays well, you're biting your nails hoping we hold on to the lead and Jimmy Garoppolo finishes with zero passing touchdowns. That that feels like a 49ers playoff game to me. And anytime they get anywhere near the red zone, even if it's red zone adjacent, they just get so tight and you lose that sort of free feeling. It just doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good when they get down there. It's like they don't look comfortable. They're taking their weapon players off the field. They're not like, where is the creativity? You've got these guys and scheming them open is like your bread and butter, right? That's what Kyle Shanahan does. But where is this in the red zone? Maybe we should hire Joe Staley as our next head coach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It worked for the Colts for a week. So anyway, now that we've told you the end of the story, let's get back to the beginning and just give you our usual drive by drive, help you relive how the 49ers got to that point. And uh, at the end, we'll also preview uh, next week's game just briefly as the the 49ers get prepared to play the the, uh, much much hated Arizona Cardinals. So uh, first drive of the game. Chargers, um, they pick up a big third down conversion where Greenlaw just had a missed assignment um, on Eckler. He went chasing after a wide receiver and left left Eckler kind of open to pick up that first down. And then they had another uh, third down conversion where um, Bosa was chipped, which was a common theme in this game. He got chipped a lot um, and still almost got there. Frankly, still still did better being chipped than any of the other pass rushers on that down. Um, but then it ends that drive with a DeAndre Carter 32-yard touchdown, 7 to nothing. Not the crisp beginning you were wanting. And that was blown coverage too. So the 49ers are coming off of a bye week and they have two busts in coverage on the first drive. So Hufanga took the blame for that touchdown. I'm not sure if it was his fault or some kind of a miscommunication maybe between him and Gibson. Before the snap, he was trying to communicate. He was doing something, hand signals, trying to communicate. Um, Again, he took the blame for that. Not sure if it was truly his fault or not, but... Again, certainly not what you're expecting to see coming off of a bye week. Two busted coverages on the first drive. Sure. And you're interested to see how the Niners come out. You know, what's the plan? How are they going to script that opening drive? And Ray Ray fortunately got it out to the 31. Nice to see a good kick return finally. And then they give the ball to McCaffrey four straight times. You know, we talked about the Chargers having the worst run defense in the NFL. It definitely seemed that the 49ers got the memo on that. Um, And then on a third down, McGlinchey had a a really great block. um, And Jennings was able to pick up a first down. Let's talk for a minute about McGlinchey because he he had a couple bad plays in this game and he got (laughs) torched. (laughs) Yeah, he he got torched. He he also got mentioned by uh, Sterling Sharp. Sorry, Shannon Sharp. Not Sterling, yeah. Shannon Sharp, uh, which is never, never good. I mean, I'm sure Grant Cohn was was clapping his little hands, <laughs> but but he had a bit of an uneven game. Just it, it's hard to know. He, he you you commented that that he's sort of reminiscent of this 49ers team. Yeah, and I mean before before we get into that, like if I had a dollar for every time I said exactly what the commentator is about to say, I'd be retired already because I saw that on Mac and I was that's what I was watching that matchup on on that play. And he did an outstanding job. Absolutely textbook, shut him down, perfect block. And then, of course, Collinsworth chimes in and they highlight that play. So McGlinchey has been much maligned. 
Uh, Shannon Sharp said that basically he didn't know the guy's name, but he said like 69 for the 49ers is terrible. And we have been critical of McGlinchey. Basically, anybody who is a fan of the 49ers has seen the inconsistency. And that's the thing. He's not a bad player. He's a wildly inconsistent player. And, you know, those pro football focus, the the PFF scores are not the end-all indicator. They are very important, but that's where when you see him pop up on the screen and you see that he's ranked 12th, it's like doesn't seem right. You know, when you hear how often he gets torched on social media, you see some of these really bad plays where he just whiffs or misses an assignment. Um, But yeah, he's just been wildly inconsistent and kind of like a microcosm of the 49ers, right? Sometimes, you know, one play you're shutting down Khalil Mack and then on the other play you are missing an assignment completely and that guy ends up tackling the ball carrier. Yeah, while you're blocking air. So fortunately that was one of his better moments in the game. Um, Jennings picks up the first down and then Ayuk goes for 20 and then Mitchell comes in for runs of seven, two and four. It was very strange. I don't know. We, we have to be, we don't have guys in the van in our ear telling us this, but I have to imagine that was probably the first time this year that a team has had two different running backs on the opening drive run three times in a row. But again, you see the commitment to the run on that drive. Um, Debo uh, gets a, a rush in there too for seven yards. Um, then McCaffrey comes back in and is stuffed and the 49ers settle for, for a field goal. The red zone woes continue. Yeah, really just so, so frustrating. It was very interesting to see how the workload was distributed between McCaffrey and Mitchell. We didn't really know what that was going to look like for sure. This was Mitchell's first week back since like week one or week two when he he, uh, had that sprained MCL. So, you know, are they going to ease him back in? Is he back to full strength? Nobody really knows for sure. In the end, Mitchell actually ended up getting more carries than McCaffrey. He had 18 totes for 89 yards. That's a 4.9 yards per attempt. McCaffrey finished the day with 14 rushes for 38 yards. That's only a 2.7 yards per carry. He did have some impressive runs, but he also got stuffed at or well behind the line on several several carries as well. It felt like any time he came in, the Chargers just sold out to stop the run. And the 49ers, whether it's because they were afraid of Khalil Mack or whatever the case may be, they never adjusted other than one attempt at a naked bootleg that went poorly. They never really tried to go play action. Most of their passing success in this game was just out of shotgun with Garoppolo hitting his typical slants and posts. They didn't really try to expose that sellout. And because of it, McCaffrey's carries were mostly just kind of wasted moments in the game. For the record, I don't mind the timeshare. I know it's kind of funny. You're paying one guy, you're paying McCaffrey a lot more than you're paying Mitchell, certainly on his rookie deal. But we know that McCaffrey is a guy that has durability issues. So if you can keep him off the field, you know, and if you can still move the ball, still get points, I don't mind that. I think you certainly want McCaffrey to be on the field in those crucial situations, in those third downs. And McCaffrey was on the field. He he was on the field for a lot more snaps than Mitchell was, but Mitchell did end up getting more carries. So it'll be really interesting moving forward to see what that workload is going to look like. Sure. Well, on the next drive, the Chargers, they pick up a 25-yarder on third down where Miko has done this a lot. D'Amico Ryan's our defensive coordinator where he kind of went like zero coverage. He's playing a lot of press man and sort of blitz looks or blitzes 
on third down, which is good because most quarterbacks <laughs> statistically are worse against pressure and they're worse against the blitz, but it, it does come back to burn you sometimes. It works better when you have a healthy Emmanuel Mosley on the other side of Mooney Ward as it, well. It does. Fortunately, though, nothing really came of that drive. Uh, Chargers have to punt. Niners get it back, and Ayuk gets a 19-yard catch. Uh, he he put on a route-running clinic in this game. Unfortunately, that 19-yard catch was then <laughs> uh, turned into a negative when Derwin James launched his helmet into Ayuk, sending the ball flying. Uh, Chargers recover. Uh, did Derwin James get ejected for that? You know, uh, no, I don't. Ring? I don't believe he got uh, penalized for that either. Oh, so. Okay. Well, I wonder. I wonder if that will come back at, at some point. You know that that whole rule. Yeah, maybe. maybe you maybe, never know. Maybe that'll be a point of discussion later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the Chargers they don't really do anything with the ensuing drive. Don't take huge advantage of that turnover, and they make the the worst forty eight yard field goal we've ever seen, <laughs> where it was outside of the uprights until the very last second, and then just snuck in. Yeah, I was I was I was so confident. I was a hundred percent sure that was hitting the post. That's like one of those huge breaking putts you make on the golf course where there's no chance, there's no chance, and then at the last second it just falls in the edge of the cup. That was crazy. I c- couldn't believe he made that. So Chargers go up ten to three, and then the teams uh, trade three and outs on San Francisco's third possession and Los Angeles's fourth. Forty Nine ers have another three and out after that on their fourth drive, uh, and not only that, but the punt is blocked. Now, fortunately it didn't go backwards. It wasn't returned for a touchdown, but at this point you're starting to feel as a 49ers fan, like we should be doing better than this coming out of a bye week with all these reinforcements. It's three and outs, it's fumbles, it's blown coverages, it's blocked punts. Like what are we doing here? Yeah. What, what did you do during the bye week? Exactly. And you got to give the chargers credit, right? They played with a lot of heart in this game. They obviously had a really solid game plan. They played their butts off through injuries they had two injuries to their already very thin defensive line during this game as well. So obviously the 49ers did have a lot of success running the ball. They ran it over 40 times if you count those kneel downs towards the end of the game. But the Chargers, I mean, nobody nobody was picking the Chargers to win. And they were ahead in this game until I think about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter was the first time the Niners actually were able to get their act together and and go ahead in this game they did score again the chargers did on the ensuing drive and it was a really important sequence where um mckinney uh, for them dropped a would-be touchdown but then deandre carter got a 34 yarder where he caught it and and basically gibson got him out of bounds or got him down at the one and that turned out to be a huge sequence uh, because after that they went incompletion false start bosa sack his nine nine and a half i don't know how you say that Ninth, ninth and a half, nine yeah. and a half. I don't know. Um, sack of the year, and then a short pass short of the goal line, and they go up thirteen to three there instead of seventeen to three. And I feel like the 49ers would not have rushed forty times in this game if they had gone down two touchdowns at that point. But they were still able at that point to to kind of stay in their their plan. Without yeah, and that's that's what desperate. I said to you. I mean, Gibson was the last man standing there. If he doesn't make that tackle, it's a touchdown. And the way that the game was going, it felt like an almost a certainty that the Chargers were going to punch it in, that they were going to score. They shot themselves in the foot a little bit with that false start. But again, that's four points. That's a hustle play from Gibson. That's one of those plays that to me stood out like, you know, he could have gone half-hearted at that one. They walk in for a touchdown. So those four points, that, that could have been a really big deal. And as the game went on, there were several points in this game where those four points did really matter. 
49ers fifth drive started awkwardly with a short run, a delay of game. Um, and then Garoppolo had a clean pocket, but made a really bad throw on second down. But fortunately, Kittle got a, a 21 yarder on third down. And, and I liked what Chris Collins were said at that moment. Yeah, he said uh, he, he feels like the 49ers game doesn't really start until Kittle gets a catch and gets involved. And uh, it definitely does seem that way. Jimmy did reference that play specifically that George got everybody fired up. And that was a real, it's just a 20 yard gain, right? Just o- over the middle. But Kittle has that energy, that zest for life. That's just contagious. And Jimmy specifically said that was like a sort of a game changer for them, kind of getting them excited, getting some momentum to, to finally get something going here. He was definitely excited. Jimmy was after that, he made probably one of the best throws of his life. And I will say, you know, we've actually said that probably three times on this podcast in the last few weeks. I think that it needs to be acknowledged that Jimmy is probably playing the best football of his career. He's not turning the ball over. He absolutely is. And he's making some beautiful elite throws. I know we're so jealous when we watch people like Herbert or Mahomes and we say, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a quarterback that just fits it in or hits the guy in stride like that. But right after that Kittle uh, 21 yarder, really a great throw from Garoppolo, to Ray Ray McLeod for 33 yards where he's escaping out of the pocket on the run. Yeah, anytime you see Jimmy rolling out, if you're a 49ers fan, you kind of hold your breath. It's like, oh no, Jimmy, like don't do it. I don't know what you're about to do, but don't do it. Yeah, but that was a, a great throw. Hit him in stride. It's thank, a dime, absolutely. Th- thank dime. you, Ray Ray, for catching it. After that, McCaffrey did get a 12-yarder. Um, 49ers did get a little conservative there trying to punch it in with McCaffrey didn't quite work out but fortunately we have elite QB sneaker Jimmy Garoppolo who sneaks it in and makes it 13-10 at that point so at this point we're getting close to halftime Chargers get their sixth drive of the game which means that they're doing a good job of <laughs> of moving the ball or, or getting the ball back quickly all the three and outs from us aren't helping and then Diamador Lenore gets a big P.I. but a deflection from Drake Jackson and a sack from Amenahu who forces a fumble you know, unfortunate that the 49ers didn't recover it, but some some good defense on that drive. And then Greenlaw on a <laughs> a scramble from Justin Herbert gets ejected, ejected for a, a malicious, nasty targeting penalty that was so bad that Justin Herbert had to basically be dragged off the field because he wasn't even hurt at all. Like it like it was not bad at all. It was so so frustrating. Yeah. To be fair, if there is a roughing or, you know, a personal foul to be found on the field, Dre Greenlaw will find a way to get called for that. Some of them have been legitimate. Most of them have not. He is the best tackler on the team, I think, and he led the team in tackles with seven, and he missed more than half the game. So we are a much, much better team when Dre Greenlaw is on the field. So... I was frustrated that they even called a penalty, but I get it. You know, he is a runner at that point. Herbert is a runner. But anytime the helmet noticeably, you know, has that much movement on it and it's a quarterback, New York can say until they're blue in the face that it has no bearing. It doesn't matter if he's a quarterback or not. That's BS. Everybody knows it. If you hit a quarterback in the helmet at all, they are going to call a penalty, period. I would have loved to have seen them show the replay in real time too. Every replay was in this super slow motion where they exaggerate it in real time. The idea that that was targeting or that, that that was intentional, you know, forcible helmet to helmet. It's, it's ridiculous. Only in slow motion. Could you actually believe that that was a dirty hit or that, that I was, was intentional? I was truly stunned. 
As a 49ers fan, I am no stranger to BS roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness penalties. It seems like we have one in almost every single game. When they said number 57 has been ejected from this game, I said, what? Yeah. Like, literally, I I was stunned. Kyle Shanahan certainly was stunned as well, um, and he has a right to be. I think after the game, he was very uh, courteous and very uh, <laughs> diplomatic about it, saying, you know, we need to we need to get educated more so we can understand this. That was his way of saying that call was utter BS. You took our arguably our best defender off the field for the entire second half. That call was egregious. If there was ever an egregious call, I cannot believe I can't believe he was ejected. It's not even like it was a forced ejection because that was his second unnecessary roughness penalty where you automatically get ejected. Sure. They just said, yeah, this guy's done. I mean, what do you want him to do? Like you said, it's a bang-bang play. It turned These into- things happen so fast. So so here's the thing. He's getting hit by three different guys. Sure. And, and Collinsworth said, you know, it's not fair. He did. Collinsworth said that too. He's getting redirected by Jimmy Ward. He did not lower the crown of his helmet. Obviously, he puts it down a tiny bit because that's what happens when you lower your shoulder. Your head goes with you. He's not a giraffe. So I don't know physically what is he supposed to do. He's lowering the shoulder. He's not leading with the helmet. Herbert gets redirected into the helmet, and he gets ejected. I lost my mind. I just can't take it. It's ridiculous. The only helpful part of this is that by rules – Justin Herbert had to come out of the game for a play. And then I think not so much by rules, but probably by <laughs> by the, the new Tua standards. Yeah, the new Tua standards and, and the, the frightening optics of putting your quarterback back in. Fortunately, the Chargers backup quarterback <laughs> is a man named Uncle Rico. And <laughs> it's, it's actually Chase Daniels, but he he could not throw a ball over those mountains. Uh, <laughs> he's, Though, he's Yeah, he looked very scared, very unprepared. The <laughs> other thing, just the last thing, you know, I I'm keep coming back to this. I'm a bit salty can you tell so you know it was a really brutal hit when it took them like two minutes and 38 seconds under the new Tua protocols to say Herbert's fine like come on yeah my gosh obviously he was fine Jordan Willis gets a sack there on Chase Dano who just did not look like an NFL caliber player and so the Chargers go up 16 to 10 at halftime with the 49ers due to get the ball back so at halftime uh, the offense looked sort of stale but but also at times close I mean there were some 20 yard plays or big plays where you thought maybe there was something there the defense had three sacks which we were told you know the Chargers were usually pretty good about mitigating uh, but the biggest plays in that half of course were you know Ayuk with the the turnover in, in terms of things that prevented the 49ers from scoring um, or or really could have swung the balance of the game Ayuk with a fumble and then a, a blocked punt just very frustrating but at halftime Garoppolo is 9 of 13 for 128 9.8 yards Per attempt, McCaffrey less good, 8 for 18, 2.3. But I know as we discussed, it it felt like it had more to do with the predictability and the usage um, and less to do with you know poor player general ineffectiveness. But anyway, the 49ers do get the ball back coming out of halftime. Um, McCaffrey gets a 21-yard catch, um, and then Debo gets a 15-yarder. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> QB sneaks twice. He actually did <laughs> fail on, on the third down, but nice to see Shanahan finally go for it on a fourth. And they pick it up. McCaffrey gets a 12-yard run. Mitchell right back in for 10 yards. And then Ayuk runs probably the best route I've ever seen him run. But unfortunately, I think maybe he was already like playing the highlight in his mind of like, oh, that's going to look so good on Sports Center. Drop. 
should have should have caught a touchdown there. It was really maybe a tiny bit behind him, but a good throw overall. That was actually a great throw from Jimmy. It was behind him a little bit, but he was throwing it to where the coverage wasn't. I think number nine was there. Yeah, uh, Ken Murray. Yeah, on the inside. So so he basically had to throw that a little bit more to the outside, which was behind him. But that's a can of corn, just easy, easy touchdown. Hit him right in the shoulder pad, bounced off. So many missed opportunities. I, I Again, I don't really know what to make of this 49ers team, aside from devastating injuries and missed opportunities so far you know, to, to be four and four coming into this week, they could have been so much better. So, so in terms of a theme or what is the identity of this team injuries and missed opportunities to this point? Sure. So another field goal in the, in the red zone there that you settle for the chargers come back and a who gets hurt on that drive, which is scary because he's been playing at a really high level. Um, fortunately he did come back later um, that drive kind of stalled out after a Fred Warner blitz for some pressure and they punt <laughs> and that punt um, not only did they not pin the 49ers uh, inside the 10 on that punt the punt almost went out of the end zone <laughs> Tarico said oh a, a rocket uh, you know off the foot yeah um, not nice, something you hear very often nice, so nice to see someone else struggling with special teams for a change so um ensuing 49ers drive Mitchell gets an eight yard run and then a first down Garoppolo was sacked by Mack and again a lot's made of of McGlinchey and and some of the the struggles there um and in completion to Debo or sorry uh yeah and then a a 49ers punt there on their seventh drive Amenahu came back in the next Chargers drive which was good to see and huge to force a three and out there uh, for sure um Niners eighth drive starts with a really obvious face mask on Debo that was not called and that was really really frustrating the Chargers were only flagged in the, in the course of play for one penalty in this game. This is the second 49ers opponent this this year who has been flagged once for like an offside or a false start, but has not been flagged for a single play in the course of the game. That is absurd. Yeah, so in terms of judgment call penalties, right, like your pass interference, illegal contact, holding, it's absolutely ridiculous that the Chargers play an entire game. Their only penalty was that false start at the goal line that that ended up forcing them to kick a field goal technically they did have another penalty in the game do you remember what that one was that was at the end of the game where their defensive lineman is chugging trying to get on the field (laughs) he's two yards in the backfield so the refs are like should we call that offsides well i mean he was technically two yards in the backfield we probably should call that that penalty was declined because it was a McCaffrey touchdown. But yeah, one penalty for five yards. Come on, guys. The 49ers were called for penalties, though, including a Brendel holding on that drive. Fortunately, it didn't stop them as Jennings uh, just went went Hulk Hulk mode. Um, had two straight catches, including a really Mr. Third down. Wow. Yeah, huge. It's huge. so crazy. You talk about all the weapons the 49ers have, right? And who is it we're going to on third down? It's the number three wide receiver. Great yeah. Great to have him back. Despite trailing, the 49ers did not get desperate um, as far as changing up their game plan. They did have four straight Elijah Mitchell runs on that drive. Uh, McCaffrey got stuffed later when they brought him back. And then Jimmy with a weird kind of decision trying to throw a screen to McCaffrey when handing the ball to Debo. They definitely had numbers more inside than trying to throw it outside the numbers there. Um, but Ayuk gets down to the two. Um, and then McCaffrey does finally punch it in, but gold misses the extra point for your special teams. The special teams unit from hell bingo. If you had a, a missed extra point, um, good for you, but the 49ers do take the lead 1916. And, and on that's the, where, again, that, that Gibson tackle, right? Yeah. So if you're down by four and he misses that extra point, yikes. Yep. Yep. Then you would have been trailing 20 to 19. So 
Uh, Chargers ninth drive, Bosa with just a huge tackle for loss, not only because it was minus six yards, but because I don't know many defenders who would be able to get low enough to hang on to that to that Chargers player and drag him to the ground, but he did. Uh, and then Eckler bobbles and, and drops you know, a, a very catchable ball, and they stop him, and they, they have to punt. 49ers get it. Mitchell with a 13-yard run again. He just seemed to, whether it was that he was fresher, had more burst, or just that the, the Chargers were not selling out to stop him like they were for McCaffrey but a huge first down from Ayuk that was sort of a back shoulder off his back foot throw from Garoppolo which we don't see often usually when he throws outside the numbers you kind of almost like when he escapes the pocket you hold your breath but that was a that was a really good throw to pick up that first down could have been pass interference too if they yes. felt like calling the Chargers for any penalties but yep. uh, yeah great great catch great throw McCaffrey with a, a run for a loss of four there you know, <laughs> I have a frowny face there in my notes that it just seemed like they wanted to, they really tried. They tried to get him going in this game, but just anytime they did it, it just didn't work out. Um, and that brings us to the the part of the show where, where we've already discussed the 49ers. That was where they had that punt where we pinned them down to the one. Uh, they go <laughs> turnover on downs, give us the ball at the eight. 49ers go super conservative, as we've already told you, kick the field goal and give the ball back to the Chargers. Um, which again, you're you're just glad that that we're not here talking about how the 49ers got roasted by an elite quarterback by giving him too much time and playing it too safe. Thank goodness that that the the game essentially ends with a fantastic pressure from Amena who hits Justin Herbert's arm mid throw, and so it it almost looked like he was throwing to nobody. But that's yeah, that's, kind of a duck. Yeah, because Amena who got to him and great catch by Hufanga. Phenomenal. I mean, that, that ball almost hit the ground, and and he now ties Jaquaski Tart with four career interceptions. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, so again, Huff coming up with the big play, but really you got to give credit to Omenahu. So he forced a fumble earlier in the game. Unfortunately, it was one of those fluky things where the fumble went and hit Jackson right in the chest and bounced directly into the hands of an offensive lineman. But how huge was Omenahu? You know, it doesn't always show up necessarily on the stat sheet, but, you know, he had that sack, he had the fumble, and then the the one that absolutely sealed the game. The 49ers missed so many opportunities in this. I felt sick when we get the ball at the eight yard line you have four chances to punch it in and you settle for a field goal again so now the chargers get the ball they're going to have over a minute no timeouts obviously but they get the ball back and all they have to do is score one touchdown and you lose this game how like i just felt absolutely sick i can't stand watching so many missed opportunities again credit to the chargers this may be you know, in terms of the strength that they had coming into this game with the number of injuries, this may be the best game they've played this year. Obviously, they came up short and only scored 16 points. You know, it's a loss, but man, they played their butts off in this game. And, you know, thank goodness Omenahu was able to make that enormous play where it's just a, a duck that just kind of flies into center field and. And as you said, Hufango makes a terrific catch there. 22 to 16 is your final there. Garoppolo goes for 240 yards and an 8.6 yard uh, per attempt uh, with the rushing TD. Um, he didn't pass for a touchdown, but he did hit Brandon Ayuk in the, in the hands and shoulder. Um, and it also, the, the game plan was so conservative. I, I, <laughs> if I told you that 
he failed to throw a touchdown pass in this game. I don't think that tells the story of of how efficient and, and how good he was overall. We've already given you the numbers on McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. Unusual, you know, a little bit to to see that spread, but it, it was credit Shanahan, I guess. I mean, it, McCaffrey was not working, so and, and Elijah Mitchell was, so at least they rode the hot hand there. Ayuk six catches goes over eighty yards again, um, and he's grading out really well under PFF. The the drop in the end zone and the fumble were not great but he he did get open when we needed him to yeah the drop is bad as you said but the fumble again there was helmet to helmet contact there really just wasn't quite a defenseless receiver and the hit didn't look bad but certainly you give him a bit of a pass on the fumble when there's forcible helmet to helmet contact there Brandon Ayuk is the number one receiver on this team. I, I don't think you can say it's Debo right now. No, and it's interesting. A lot of talk about Odell Beckham, you know, potentially coming to the 49ers. I think I would be more interested in that if we were doing a better job of using the weapons that we have. But George Kittle with one catch for 21 yards in this game. And Debo Samuel, not only did he only have two catches for 24 yards, um, but he was targeted six times. He seems to be the only player that Jimmy Garoppolo does not seem to have a connection with, despite everything last year. He did rush four times for 26 seven yards but barely getting over 50 yards is not great for someone that that everyone said you know we can't trade this guy he's he is our offense he's our whole offense it doesn't it it doesn't feel like he's our whole offense it, it feels like he's someone that we just don't know how to involve anymore and again missed opportunities right so how is it possible that the 49ers have all of these playmakers and they're not scoring points they're not finishing drives George Kittle is probably my favorite player on the team. I just love watching him play. He is so unselfish. He is the ultimate team player. He doesn't care if he doesn't get a single reception. That's what he says, and I believe him. He just wants to win. It is so hard to watch. George Kittle is a Lamborghini, and what we are doing with him right now is we are taking this Lamborghini and we are driving it around our neighborhood, and that's it. He's never getting out on the open road. Like, why... I know Kittle loves the 49ers, he loves this team, and he wants to be here, but can we free Kittle? I mean, I, I almost wish he could go somewhere where he has an opportunity to showcase his talent. He is an elite talent. He is every bit as good of a receiver as Kelsey, and he's just not involved at all. You have entire games where Debo is invisible. You know, McCaffrey coming off his you know, NFC player of the week offensively where he throws for one, runs for one, and gets a receiving touchdown. You know, he was almost a non-factor in this game. He rushed for 38 yards and had 39 yards receiving. He wasn't really in. He didn't really make any huge clutch plays, no huge third down conversions. I think the positive spin on that in the locker room will be you know, hey guys, we gutted out another win in 60 minutes and anyway, you know, it's it's never going to look the same way twice and anyway we do it, we just come together as a team and we do it. That's the positive spin. From the outside, the perspective is what is this team? What is their identity? Why is offensive genius Kyle Shanahan not getting more out of these guys? The 49ers, again, 22 points is, is not a lot. <laughs> uh, and why are we being so conservative? So still, a win is a win. Nice to get over 500. Nice to pull within a half game of first place. And you look ahead to uh, next week's game against Arizona. Uh, please do not, if you were planning to go to the game, do not fly to Italy. George Kittle got his flags mix- mixed up. The game <laughs> is going to be in Mexico City. Uh, the 49ers, interestingly, are traveling to Colorado to uh, to practice in the higher elevation to get used to it. But some interesting storylines for that, too. It'll be nice to see Mooney Ward lined up on Hopkins. Games for us against the Cardinals 
have gone two ways. We have either gotten completely torched by DeAndre Hopkins, or we've had a, a couple where someone like Verrett, when I, he was actually healthy, stepped up. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup with Mooney Ward. You know, let's let's see him. Not that he hasn't, but let's see him earn that money that we paid him. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how Miko uses him too, if he has him following uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But also interesting to see, you know, Kyler Murray did not play this week for Arizona. He's nursing a hamstring injury. If you're a 49ers fan, you could say, oh, great. We get to play Colt McCoy. But remember how that went, you know, Yeah, last time. It's funny. We have really struggled against the Cardinals somewhat similarly to the way the Rams have struggled against us in the regular season. The Cardinals have just had our number for some reason. Uh, running quarterbacks have sort of famously been the bane uh, the Achilles heel, if you will, of this defense. By all accounts and by you know anybody who knows anything about football, the 49ers defense is a top five defense, and we have been for the last few years. But again, those running quarterbacks are the ones that always give us trouble. As you said, Kyler Murray has definitely had a lot of success, but uh, trouble in, uh, you can't really call it paradise because they're just, they're not very good and they, they haven't been playing well. But a lot of dysfunction. You see Kyler yelling at the head coach, yelling at Hopkins on the sideline. Sure. Uh, famously now, <laughs> since Call of Duty came out, they're saying <laughs> Kyler Murray is 0-2. So he's he's missing out on some of that game prep he's, and film study. Quotations. He's nursing a hamstring injury. Yeah, he's right. healing at home. It'll be interesting to see, you know, a division games always, there's a lot of history there. These teams know each other pretty well. It'll be interesting to see if the 49ers can keep up this defensive effort too. You know, you might get Samson Ebicom back and the 49ers defense for the second consecutive game gave up zero points in the second half and less than 60 yards, which is kind of mind blowing. It really is. And again, the Chargers offense looked almost unstoppable in that first half. Uh, scoring 16 points. Herbert was throwing dimes, just looked really, really impressive. And again, the defense just comes out. They adjust. What did the Chargers have? I think they had less than or fewer than 60 yards in the second half and no points. Yep. Crazy. That's what we just said. So we're looking forward to it either way. I I believe the game is on Monday night football, which always exciting to see our 49ers in prime time. So, that's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter for more 49ers content. See you next week. We are the Niners Bros. 